Well, before we begin our Bible study, let's pray. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kidshanu b'mitzvotav, v'tzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with your commandments and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Yeshua said that we should go into the whole world and make disciples. He said we're to bring good news even to every nation and make disciples of all the nations. So it should be really clear to us what a disciple is. It's not as obvious as you might think to people, even believers, because many people think a disciple is simply a person who makes a one-time decision for the Lord. But discipleship is really about a life of faith and a relationship with God that endures both in this world and forevermore. This week's Haftorah, I think, will help us understand discipleship. But let me just say one thing, that it is true that a disciple learns. How many of you knew that already? Disciples are supposed to learn. And, we're, and disciples put into practice what they learn. That's not new to you. But a disciple is not the same as a student and not the same as an expert. And that is why Yeshua never said, go into all the world and make experts or go into all the world and make students. We do need to learn and we do need to gain competency, but a disciple is something more than a student and more, more than an expert. And I think there's a little passage in our Haftorah for this week that will help us understand something of the qualities of a disciple. So I want to look tonight at five qualities of a disciple. If you have your Bibles with me, if you have a paper Bible, would you show me? I like to see your Bibles. That's good. And if you have a digital Bible, you can, all the digerati, we're waving. That's good. We're going to read from the Haftorah portion one verse, Isaiah chapter 50, verse four. So you can turn there. I wanna, I wanna give you a few different instructions, uh, a few different translations. First one goes like this. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one who is being taught. That's one translation. Here's another one. The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. And now I'll give you the Levine authorized translation, a little expanded. The sovereign Lord, Hashem, has given me the tongue of a disciple so that I'm able to speak the word that lifts up the weary. Adonai wakens me morning by morning, and every morning I listen with a disciple's ear so that he can teach me. That's an expanded translation. So if you're already in Isaiah 50, verse 4, if you have it in your Bibles, opened up, either paper or digital, would you wave to me and I can see that you're there? Okay, if not, get the person next to you to turn your Bible. I want to look at five qualities of discipleship. This is not meant to be exhaustive, but it's meant to be a refresher course or foundational if you're not clear yourself. The first, the first quality that we can identify is that the disciple receives from the Lord. 
in this verse, it says the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue or the tongue of a disciple. Some translations even would go be a little bit more flexible and say would, would, the sovereign Lord has given me the language of a disciple or he has given me what it takes to talk as a disciple would talk. Who is the one who's the giver here? It's the Lord who's the giver. And so the disciple is the one who's on the receiving end. And this is foundational. Every disciple receives from the Lord, and we need to learn to receive from the Lord. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who, first of all, learns to receive from the Lord. That requires a relationship with God. And Yeshua is a key for that. Because every one of us will find obstacles to getting close to God. Our sin will confront us. Our failures, our past, even our current situation, filled with any challenges, difficulties, failures, mistakes, these things can all get in the way. And when we're trying to get close to God, we will be confronted by sin, our own sin. And this is where Yeshua and our relationship with him is so important. Yeshua is the sacrifice, the one who atones for our sin. And he is the redeemer, the one who buys us out of a slavery condition where we're a slave to sin and brings us into a right relationship with the Lord. So the disciple receives from the Lord and has a relationship with God and has an ear that listens. Moms and dads in the room, can you remember the last time you said to your children, you're not listening to me? You can remember that. And you didn't mean your physical ears aren't working. What you meant is the words that I'm saying are either being ignored, they're going in one ear and out the other. Or you mean that they are intent on not doing what you said. So a disciple is not just someone who physically listens, but is someone who actually is inclined to listen and to do what they are told to do. Now, a disciple may be young or old. Do we have any young people here in the room? Can you wave to us? Oh, listen, I set you up for that. <laughs> okay, do we have anyone under the age of 20? Okay. I, I'm going on my third 20 soon. <laughs> you may be young or you may be old and you can be a disciple. The quality is not limited by age. It's limited by the heart. So young people can become effective disciples. You even read, for instance, about... Uh, Jeremiah, who was just a lad, the scripture says, when the Lord called him to be a prophet to the nations, both to Israel and the nations of the world. And Jeremiah said, but I'm too young and I don't have experience. And the Lord said, but you can hear me and you can see what I'm trying to show you. And he showed Jeremiah and he spoke to Jeremiah certain things and Jeremiah knew what the Lord was trying to say to him. So you can be young, you can be old, and you can be a disciple. 
Each one of us has the capacity to receive from the Lord. We talked about that last week when we were looking at the two great commands, including the Shema, to listen and to love. Every one of us has the capacity to receive from the Lord because we have been given spiritual ears. Now look at the person next to you and see if they got physical ears. If they've got physical ears, you can be sure they've got spiritual ears too. For every physical quality we have, every physical sense that we have, God has given us a parallel spiritual sense as well. We can listen with our natural ears, our physical ears, and we can listen with our spiritual ears. Now, a disciple receives from the Lord, but it does take intention and it takes time. It doesn't just happen to you against your will. A disciple participates in the process of receiving from the Lord. And we'll see more about that in just a minute. Let's go to the second quality. The disciple is able to pass on to others what he or she receives from the Lord. You see, disciples both receive and they give. It's not just one or the other, it's both. Some of the most valuable help you can give to other people will be based on the help that you received in a time of need yourself. When God comforted you, it made a difference to you that it enables you to comfort others at another time. When God heals you, it gives you confidence and faith in God so that you can pray for people, encourage people who need healing as well. When God provided for you, when you couldn't provide for yourself, it will give you the confidence to encourage someone who needs to trust God for provision too. So a disciple passes on to others what he or she receives from the Lord. That is not the same as giving advice. Many people like to give advice. Have you ever been on the, like, the negative side of receiving people's unsolicited advice? I have, I, over the years as we've led home groups, we have found that many times people would rather give advice than pray. It's a pity. And I remember once working with a new home group that, that we had started, we were trying to disciple people and how to relate to each other in a spiritual way, and one person was asking for prayer. And do you know that it was hard to get that group to pray? They wanted to tell her what to do, not to pray for her. And so I spent most of the next few minutes facilitating people and to get them to stop giving unsolicited advice. And do you know that people can pray unsolicited advice? Oh Lord, show her that she needs to do what I'm about to say. <laughs> you know, we can hide our advice inside of, of uh, the form of prayer, but it's not really prayer, it's really advice, and we can recognize it. If you really want to have an impact on people, you learn to pray for them when they have problems, not just advise them and counsel them. And you encourage them not with what you heard would work, but with what you know from your experience actually works. Reminds me of a story we used to tell in, in 
Hungary and Ukraine about this farmer who was having problems with his cows. And they were getting sick, and, and they weren't getting any better. He did everything he could, everything he knew to do, and he went to one of his neighbors. And I have to tell you this, it's hard for Hungarians to say they need help. And this Hungarian farmer went to his neighbor, another farmer, and said, I, I need help. My, my cows are sick. I don't know what to do. And the farmer said to him, well, you should every morning give your cow uh, a little cup of whiskey. Well, he did that the first day, he did it the second day, he did it the third day, and you know, those cows did not get better. (laughs) And in fact, they got more disoriented, ended up, wading into a river and drowning. It was a pity. He went to his neighbor and he said, you know, I did exactly what you said to do. He described the kind of whiskey and how much he gave. And he said, and, and my cows, they all, they're dead now. And the farmer looked at him and said, that's the strangest thing. That's exactly what happened to my cows. <laughs> you see, sometimes we give advice to people not based on successful experience, but just, we got an idea. It may be based on experience, but bad experience. So there are times when you shouldn't be just going on your experience, you should learn to pray without giving bad advice to people. Sometimes I'll ask in a a small group, I want someone who's had experience in this to pray. And that settles things. Often in our congregation here, we'll invite people to pray who just had a successful experience. They they endured through something. Uh, Out of work for a year, got a job. Well, I want those people to pray for the people who are discouraged because they haven't found their job yet. We look for people who are successfully experiencing things in God, including enduring, so they can pray encouraging ways to other people. So to prepare yourself as a disciple, you can ask this question, what has God done for you? Not what do you know about, but what has he done for you? And what are you thankful for? How has God helped you? Because based on what he's done for you and how he's helped you and how you're thankful, you can tell others and encourage them too. And that means it's important to remember, to recall how God has touched you, how he served you. Now, in this way, teaching and discipleship may go down very different paths because teaching can be about information that you heard and it may be true, but it may have limited application. But discipleship is connected to practical living and the reality of following God in our own lives. Let's look at the third quality. The disciple is able to bring comfort and to lift up others who are weary. This is a fascinating quality that's called out as a detail in Isaiah 50 verse four. The Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that lifts up the weary, that comforts the weary, that sustains the weary. You know what that means? In normal, everyday life, you are going to meet people who are weary. 
How many of you can verify that from your experience this week? And sometimes you will be the weary one, and sometimes you will be meeting a weary person. But our bodies are frail and we are weak and our spirit may be strong, but our flesh may be lacking sometimes. And life is challenging, is that true? It's not always easy. And we can sometimes feel like we've run out of strength and we've run out of what it takes. And God wants to use disciples of his to help those who are weary, to bring comfort to them and to lift them up. So it's not just a matter of sharing information. I read a book. It's not just a matter of saying, well, I saw in the newspaper or I Googled weariness and I've got a word for you. (laughs) And it's not just about communicating religious practice or tradition. The measure here is really very simple. Do I have a positive impact on other people? Can I comfort people when they're discouraged or sad? Now, if you're, on, if you're living on empty, if you've run out of steam yourself, it may be difficult for you to encourage other people. That's true. Is it true? Because you can't give what you don't have. And so there may be times when you can't encourage people. I can tell you the truth. There are some times when I've, when I've seen someone who wants help and I realize I cannot help that person. It's impossible. It's not only impossible for me, it's impossible for me now and maybe in the future. And there are times when I'll just say, God is gonna help that person through someone else other than me. There are also moments when I'm just not available. And when I say I, I'm talking about myself, but the same is true for you, isn't it? Aren't there times when you just can't handle one more person. Now, if that person has no problems and just wants to help you, you can handle them. But if they need your help, you run out of steam. We all run out of steam sometimes. And we can be honest with each other. That's the way life is. But if you're constantly without anything to give, you can't really be a functioning disciple. Disciples have to learn how to refill. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to be filled again and again in God. Do you remember what happened to King David before he was really king when he was in Ziklag? And he was leading his men in a battle. They they left the women and the children behind and they went to fight a battle. And when they came back, the women and children were gone and all their stuff was gone. Because the enemy had come and taken their families and their stuff. And do you know what it says? It says that all of the people who were with David wanted to kill him. They were in such distress that they had to blame somebody. Now, what did David do? Do you remember this? He encouraged himself. He strengthened himself in the Lord. You see, each one of us, if we want to be a real disciple of God, we have to learn how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. There are times when others will strengthen you. But there are also specific times when you have to be able to strengthen yourself in God, to go directly to God yourself 
all by yourself with no one helping you, and what God gives you at such times can be very similar to what he gave David. David got encouragement, he rose up, he got a plan from the Lord, and they went, they got a victory. They brought back the women, the children, and all the stuff that was taken. And they learned something. They learned a real important principle. Do you know what it was? Always leave someone behind to to guard what you have. Now, there was a reason they hadn't embraced that practice. Because the ones who had been left behind were treated like second-class warriors. They were told, well, you don't get a share in the spoils because you didn't go into battle. But as as a... people, Israel decided the one who gets positioned to guard those who are left behind and all their stuff, they get a share in the spoil too. And it's true like that in life now. You'll find if you are posted in a position where you have to watch over others who can't go out themselves, God will give you a share in every victory that comes. So, The disciple is able to bring comfort and to lift up others who are weary. And maybe even the disciple himself or herself gets weary of being the comforter. That's where you have to learn not to just comfort people in your own strength, but to receive from the Lord so you can comfort them with the comfort you receive. Now the fourth quality is described in the second part of Isaiah 50, verse four. It says, he wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. Morning by morning. Can you say that phrase with me? Morning by morning. The fourth quality is this. The disciple has a daily relationship with God. If your relationship with God does not have a daily quality to it, you're gonna fall behind. And you're gonna get weak, and you will have suffering that you don't need to have. Morning by morning, not once a week, not trying to skip a day. You don't try to see if you're a disciple, how long can you go without needing to pray? How long can you go without reading the word? The disciple understands something, I need God every day. Starting the day with the Lord. Now that's tough for those who are night owls. How many night owls here? And, and how many people who are, who are like you're, you're morning doves or something, I don't know what you, you can call it. It's like you wanna get up, you're ready to start the day. You know, there's one point in my life where I was counting, where I was, I was meeting guys before work because it was convenient to them and me and didn't take up time from our families that were precious in other ways and other times. And I remember, at one point, I kept counting. I said to Sandy, I've had over 1,000 meetings before 7 o'clock in the morning. And this was just after a few years of being a believer. And, you know, I think she's almost up to 25. <laughs> That's not a fair representation because she's a night person and she'll stay through the night and she'll stay through the day and she will continue. But what we learned is you can't burn the candle at both ends. How many of you are aware of that? When I came into the Messianic movement, I was working with a Messianic rabbi, Jonathan Burnus. He was a night owl. I was a morning guy. And it just about killed me to keep up with him. 
And then I found out, you cannot be both a night owl and a morning person. Now, morning people, let me speak to you, including me, we cannot, we must not be smug about being morning people when it comes to spiritual stuff. Did you see that coming? You see, sometimes we'll say, oh, you know what? I get up in the morning and I pray. And you don't even get up in the morning. (laughs) If you've got teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But we have to be careful not to be smug. There are other scriptures that talk about keeping the night watch. And I've known people who have difficulty functioning early in the morning, but they will stay up all night in prayer. That's harder for me. So let's not be smug about what comes easy to us. Let's just recognize something. Sometime during the day, you need to connect with God. And if you make it a normal habit, and then you say, it's not just once a day, I need to talk to him at different times of the day and be God-focused at different times, you'll work things out. Psalm 119 says, I rise before dawn, I cry for help, I put my hope in your word. Psalm 143.8 says, let the morning bring me a word of your unfailing love, for I put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. But we're living in a different world than the world of the psalmist. Do you know why? We have electricity. We have artificial light that is readily available and has completely changed human sleep patterns. If you, I posted something on this on, on my Facebook page. I'm not gonna tell you any more about it. Just go to Facebook DL Shalom and, and you'll see. But the human body is in a state of disruption right now all over the world because we're so accustomed to staying up whenever we want to, like right now, we just turn the lights on and we function and we don't follow any natural cycles uh, because of that. Now the fifth quality, the last quality I wanna look at is that the disciple is open to listen to God as a disciple. You see, disciples listen differently Isaiah 50 verse four starts with this, the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue, but then it moves on to this, he wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. It's not only what you can say, it's what you can hear. And the disciple listens differently than other kinds of people. Their ears are more open, they're more alert, they wanna change, they want to grow up, they want to mature, and the disciple learns to cultivate quietness in his soul, quietness in her soul, so that the disciple has the ability to listen to God's voice when God is speaking quietly to them. You see, there are times when we want a billboard or we want a big sign, we want things to be 100% clear in the loudest of possible ways. And God wants to speak quietly, spirit to spirit. And we have to learn as disciples to quiet our souls so we can listen to his quiet voice. The disciple wants to put into practice what they learn. And so the disciple works to remember. The disciple uses tools, memorization. 
The disciple uses tools, journaling, writing things down. The disciple uses tools, his notes app on his iPhone, to keep track of things that you don't wanna forget. And this is connected to what Yaakov or James said, to, to hear and to do, this is really the key. And what Yeshua said, to listen and to put into practice his words, that's how Yeshua described true disciples. Anyone can hear the words, but the hallmark of those who endure as real disciples is they hear the word and they put them into practice. And this causes you to become strong in God and enables you to persevere through challenges in life and your house, your spiritual house will stand. Now, let's close by thinking of the two great commands. The Shema and the Vehafta are one, which is to listen to God and to love God with all that we are, and the Vehafta Larecha is the other, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, this helps me understand something. Disciples are both God-centered and people-centered. And our love for God is number one because it's the source of all other kinds of love. And our love for people is number two because no love for God is real unless it also includes love for people. That's not my opinion. That's what Yeshua taught and what the apostles taught. 1 John 4.20, our closing scriptures. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's lying. The one who doesn't love his brother who he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. In John 13, 35, Yeshua said it this way. This is like the master key to sharing good news. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another. You see, you can be a believer who says you believe in God and not show love, but you can't be a disciple, not a real disciple. Real disciples, Yeshua said, love one another. And with what kind of love? The love he loves us with. So we receive his love and then we share it with others. So those are five qualities of disciples. Think of what you want to do in the next 10 days to take steps forward as a disciple. I wanna encourage you to spend time with God just to listen to him and to sit with him and say, Lord, speak to me and show me what's on your heart. Don't ask for your stuff, listen to his stuff. Also, ask the Lord to bring into your life someone who needs comfort or encouragement and then ask him to give you something to comfort that person with or to encourage them. And then here's something you can do. If you're a morning person, pick a time in the morning, try to spend for the next 10 days some time with the Lord every morning. If you're a night person, pick a time at night that you're gonna spend with the Lord and just use that time. It doesn't even have to be long. It can be a minute, two, three minutes where you simply turn your attention to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm here with you and I wanna serve you, I'm making myself available to you. 
Think of things you can do. And over the next 10 days, I want to encourage you, do something to move yourself forward as a disciple that reflects your growing commitment to the Lord. Well, I want to, I want to pray for anyone who wants to be a better disciple in this coming year. This is when we plan for the coming year that starts at Rosh Hashanah and goes for 12 months. If you want to be a better disciple, just wave at me and and lift your hand up to the Lord right now. I tricked you. Lift your hand up to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. I want to be a better disciple in this year. I want to grow closer to you. I want to receive more from you. I want to put into practice the things you give me. I want to be more useful for comforting and encouraging other people. I want to spend every day with you. I don't want to miss any days, Lord. I want to grow close, and I want to become strong in you, and I want to receive your love that I could give to other people. I want to grow with you, Lord, and cause your name to be lifted up. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. I want to invite my family down here to join me. I want to encourage you, don't be by yourself. You don't have to be. Takes a while to get them all down here. And this is Trevor, who's, who's like family. If you're wondering if we've got more kids, sort of. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai p'nave lecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai p'nave lecha v'yasem lecha. Shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom.